Welcome to the Aurora Cornerstone Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope today's message is an encouragement to you. Well, today I want to talk a topic that is entitled Making the Most of Opportunities. And we've been on the journey with doing life together. And on this journey, we have been really working to uh, take you on a progression of how we can grow. And I think it's just been amazing how we've been able to do this personally during a time of pandemic where we've not been able to meet and get together anywhere like we used to. The Apostle Paul, and by the way, I invite you to go grab your Bibles. Uh, We're going to be looking up in just a moment, Colossians chapter 4, so I want to get you ready. And the second thing, if you can kind of prepare yourself, uh, we're going, I'm going to be sharing a number of points. And I think these are going to be valuable. If you have a pen and paper somewhere handy, grab it. Uh, If not, you know, if you have your device that you can, uh, you know, make notes. If you don't have anything near you, if you're driving, um, then uh, you can always contact the church office and we will send you the notes. But I think today's one of those note-taking kind of days. So I uh, just give you a heads up so you can grab that. The Apostle Paul, oftentimes we feel, and again, the title is Making the Most of Opportunities. We often feel that, you know, we're not like the Apostle Paul. I mean, he's the, he's the great evangelist. He's the great apostle. Uh, you go to the back of your study Bibles and you see these colored maps of all the missionary journeys Paul went on. And oh, he was so effective. And the disciples were very effective. And, and who are we? We don't, we're not like that. We're not gifted like them. And we don't have the, the influence and the sphere to make the difference. I hope you're going to listen this morning, because I really think this message is all around recognizing that every single one of us, those of us who are in full-time ministry, vast majority of us, 99.9% of us are not. But all of us, God has set apart for a mission. And it's an exciting mission. It's a great opportunity. And so let's make the most of opportunities. So let me tell you how it worked in the early days. The Apostle Paul, we know, he traveled throughout most of the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire was expansive. They had annexed pretty well every country near them. And so their empire truly was massive. So Paul left the little cluster of Jerusalem and little Judea, the Palestinian region, and he went north and went west, and he just began to go through all these different towns, villages, and cities. What Paul would do is he would go into a city, and he would often visit the synagogue first. He would make contact with some people in the synagogue, and if it weren't there, he would go to the town library, or he'd go to the square. Towns had these squares where people would hang out. And Paul would get to know a few people, and those that were asking questions, those that were hungry for God, he took the time to talk to them. Uh, We call them the the red apples, the ripe apples. And people whose hearts were just inquisitive, asking questions, and Paul would begin to share the things of the faith, starting with his own testimony. And many would come to Christ. Now, when I say many, it might only be a handful would come to Christ, but that's a lot. And then what he would do is he would spend a few days training them and their family on the basics of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, just the basics. I mean, some of these people couldn't even read or write, but he would share some of the basics 
of what it is to be a follower of Jesus. He might stay with them a few days, a week or two, at the most a month or two. Occasions you have him staying up to one place, he stayed up to a couple years, but that was rare. And then he was gone. And yet they would be left to develop relationships within their network in their community. That's the key. Those people that Paul worked with just a few days would just go and begin to share. And here's how it often happened. They would go out and they would just uh, live their life having been new, newfound followers of Jesus. And people would observe how they dealt with suffering, how they dealt with conflict and hardship. And then people would ask questions. They would enter into conversations, people that knew them, their neighbors, their family, their co-workers, their children's friends, people in the marketplace that they knew. And out of that, they began to just share their story. You see, we've all been called to do that. We often think that the early church was started by all these great evangelists and pastors and, and, and you know, disciples and apostles. It's actually not true. Paul would go to these places, start with just a handful, and he'd leave. Now, what would happen? He'd come back later. It might be months later. It might be years later. And if he didn't even get back, he would at least send letters. And when we read the New Testament, you read of the letters Paul is sending back because often they're dealing with growth pains. And so Paul would send letters back to take them to the next level of their training. Beloved, isn't that the way it works? That's, it hasn't changed. God still does the same thing thing today. And so we often are scared about sharing our faith. So here's what Paul had to say when he had left one, he left a handful of peoples, a handful of people in a community just to be sharing the faith. And this is Colossians chapter four. This is our text, verse two. Let's read it. He says, devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. I, can I just take a moment? I just want to highlight some things. Let's go back to that scripture again, can we? I want to, I find five takeaways here, okay? Note the first part. He says, devote, it's going to be devoted. There's five things. Be devoted to prayer. Man, we are in spiritual battle. We need to be devoted to prayer. Be devoted, be watchful. Uh, so be alert, be looking, be expectant. It says, thirdly, be thankful. Don't you like being around thankful people? I mean, they're a joy being around versus unthankful people, people griping and complaining all the time. Then Paul talks about, don't forget to pray for me. And then get down to verse six. He says, be graceful. You know, when things get difficult and we just kind of want to, you know, raise our guns and just give it to them. No, be graceful. We are not judge and jury. God is. Be graceful. Be full of grace and mercy. And last, number five, be seasoned with salt. Man, salt makes a difference, doesn't it? We need some flavor. We need to be the flavor. So I want to share those five things. Tuck those away. We need to be prayerful, thankful, watchful, graceful, seasoned with salt. Okay, so let's talk about that a little bit further. 
John chapter 20, verse 21. Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. When you think about Jesus' ministry, think about his first words and the last words before he died at the cross. The first words of Jesus were, well, I'm sure he spoke before he was 12 years old, but the first words we have recorded is when he was 12. And his first words were, Jesus was saying, I must be about my father's business. His last words right before he died on the cross, it is finished. And I think that's a beautiful picture that his mission is everything in between. I am about my father's business. At the point of death, I did it. It's finished. And then he would come back from the resurrection and he would tell the disciples, now you, you guys, you go in my name. You represent me. And that's us. That's us here today. You go in my name. So I want to just share a few points here. Number one, why your mission is important. Your mission is a continuation of Jesus on earth. So significant is your and my mission that five times in five different books of the Bible, Jesus mentions how it's your mission. It's your mission. It's called, we call it now, the Great Commission. I like what Billy Graham said. He said, it's called the Great Commission, not the Great Suggestion. No, it's not a suggestion. He says, you've been commissioned to do this. And, and this actually, you, I believe when we get it, it will be an aha moment. And my aha moment when I was 17 years old, I had been exposed to church, gone to church, all my younger years, but I was actually about to embark on a missionary journey for an entire summer. I was at the end of two weeks of boot camp. They were training us so that we won't experience such depth of culture shock to where we were going. So the idea was to give us culture shock at the boot camp. We were at the end of two weeks of boot camp. There were over a thousand youth together under a big top. It was dark, and they were commissioning us. And to be honest, I had butterflies. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I had never been away from, I'd never been out of the country until I went on that particular boot camp training. And then I was about to go to the other end of the world for a month, another month and a half on top of that. So I was, I was pretty uneasy about the whole thing. It was in that service, though, that as we took a candle and we lit one candle after the other, and the, and the person who was speaking to us was saying, you're the one from this day forward, not just for the summer, but for the rest of your life, you were called on a mission. And it hit me. That candle I held in my, my hand, only I can hold that candle. There are people in my life that no one else will be around, and I am the light to them. So take it seriously. And it hit me there, and it has never left me. It actually helped direct the rest of my life. Your mission is a continuation of Jesus' mission on earth. Secondly, your mission is a wonderful privilege. I think too many times we think of our mission as an obligation. You know, I've got to. 
you know, people are pressuring me. I go to church and I got to, I got to share, I got to witness, you know, and pressure, pressure, pressure. I used to experience that when I was in Bible college, in order to graduate from our evangelism class, you had to go out and share to so many people. And, and I'll be honest. I mean, I just didn't like it. I hated doing it. There was no joy and I did not feel it was a privilege. Now I changed my mind since then. Because it is a privilege. Let me just explain. It's a privilege. It's a beautiful privilege. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. God has given us the privilege, there it is, of urging everyone to come into his favor and be reconciled to him. You know, the people that, and, and I know you, many of you will witness to this, who have come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, you know how wonderful that is. You know how that just opens up everything about you and about life. And maybe there are those who are joining us on Zoom this morning, and, and maybe you are not a follower of Jesus. My prayer for you is listen to what we share this morning, and may your heart be open and receptive. My prayer would be that today you would examine the claims of Christ, and I believe if you do, you will likewise commit your life and understand what it is to be, to be privileged to receive the gospel. And as was mentioned here, what that, that this is his favor. You will come into God's favor. It's a privilege. You know, if I was sick and I was dying, and you had a cure for me, but you chose not to tell me or give it to me, that would be called criminal. And I believe it is even more criminal when eternal lives are at stake, when I have something to offer, and I choose not to. I choose to let thinking somebody else will do it. It's not my problem, or I can't do it. I believe that can be one of the most, the, the gravest of criminal activity, is when there's an opportunity, we need to look for them and believe what a privilege it is to share with the favor of God's love to those people. Ezekiel the prophet admonishes us. He says, you must warn them so they may live. If you don't speak out to warn the wicked to stop their evil ways, if you don't, they will die in their sin. Oh, that weighs me down. But God says, they will die in their sin. But listen to this. This is, it even gets worse. I will hold you responsible for their death. Uh, I will give an account for the people I know. And so it is a privilege. It's not just a responsibility or an obligation. It's a privilege. Only you can share with certain people. Next one is your mission has eternal significance. Uh, it's changing the destiny of somebody for life. And so where you work, if you're at an office desk, if you're on an assembly line, if you are working from home and you're on the screen, wherever you work, wherever you go to school, maybe your schooling is now on screen as well. Whatever your reach is right now, make it the goal of your life to take opportunity to impact people. It's an eternal significance that we are facing. Uh, maybe you're a mother. Maybe you're a teacher in the school, a salesman, a manager. That's where you're planted. That's your mission.
Fourthly, your mission gives life meaning. It gives your life meaning. William James said, the best use of life is to spend it for something that outlasts it. Spend your life on something that outlasts your life. You know, these bodies, they're going to the grave. My home is coming down one day. Uh, vehicles, all the things, all the money, all that stuff, it's gone. There's only one thing that lasts forever, and that's a person's soul. And so, again, I like what James says. The best use of life is to spend it for something that outlasts it. Paul said it this way in Acts chapter 20, verse 24. He said, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race, complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. There are people on this planet that only you can reach. Start looking at that mission field. God has put you there and planted you for a reason. We've got kind of a, a mission this year. We were carrying it really for, since a year ago, the pandemic began, and it was each one reach one in 2021. Let's make that our heart's desire. Each one reach one in 2021. Who is God placing before me? Well, number five, God's timetable for history's conclusion is connected to the completion of your mission. There's a lot of talk about the second coming of the Lord. A lot of talk about, are these the last days? A lot of talk about, is Jesus coming soon? And uh, there's all kinds of stuff. You know, there's a lot of people have taken advantage of a lot of this and prophecies and going back over prophecies and rehashing them. Uh, that was happening in Jesus' day. And the disciples in Jesus' day were asking the same thing. I, wanted, I want you to listen to what Jesus had to say about that. So they were asking the same questions. Many people are, well, what's going on? What's the prophecy saying? What's the prophecy saying? Here's what Jesus had to say when he answered it. Acts chapter 1, verse 7. Jesus said to the disciples, because the disciples were asking, well, is this the last days? Jesus was saying, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. Whoa. It's not up to you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Did you catch that? Jesus is saying, disciples, quit being consumed on prophecy. He switched it. He says, you've got a mission in front of you. Focus on your mission. Don't try to figure out times. Don't try to figure out, is this part of the prophecy? Because there's people right in front of you that you can make a difference in. So do it. Don't you like that? Well, he's called us to that place. And so uh, Colossians, again, Colossians 4, the last part of our text, 5 and 6, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with love, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So I want to do like the Apostle Paul does. He would go into the regions and he would just begin to share the basics and train in the basics so that they could, in the network of relationships, fulfill the mission. 
So I want to do that today. I'm going to, and this is where you can take some points down. Okay. Your life message has four parts. Your testimony, your life lessons, your godly passions, and the good news. Let me just go back over that. Your testimony is the story of how you began a relationship with Jesus. Your life lessons are important peak lessons you've had to learn, mostly through difficult times. Your godly passions, we all have them. We all have certain things we're bent towards. And fourthly, the good news. That's the message that Jesus saves. Let me go back over that, your testimony. Your life message includes your testimony. Your testimony is how Christ made a difference in your life. I want to equate this to being called to be a witness in court. Now, if you're a witness in court, it's not your responsibility. It is not up to you to try to prove the truth. It's not up to you to convince the judge or jury. It's not up to you to argue the case. If you're a witness, what's your job? You know, just tell what you experienced. Tell what you saw. Tell what you heard. You tell your experience. It's up to the attorneys to argue all the rest of the stuff. Now, here's the thing. You've been called not to have to argue the case. You're called to share your witness. Share your story. I've discovered, I'm going to hazard a guess that a number of you watching this morning have never maybe taken the time to fully develop your personal testimony. Many of you have, I know. One of the things I do when I go on my yearly mission trips is everybody who goes on the mission trip is expected to share their testimony multiple times. So I actually ask not just for their testimony, but I ask them to give two or three flavors of their testimony. And they were to write them down. And we go through, and I'm going, to sh I'm going to share how you do this. I discovered that probably half those that I've worked with over 20 years of traveling to the mission field have never gone through their testimony before. So that's why I know many don't. So I'm encouraging, do it. Make this an exercise. Do it maybe this afternoon. Do it maybe tomorrow. Do it this week. But take time to go through your testimony. And, and I want to share what your testimony looks like. It really comes down to four parts. Here they are what my life was like before I met Jesus. What was happening? Now, if you were young, if you were a child, there's not, you won't have a great big story there. But if you got saved later in life, there's a bit more story. But you can say something. I know my story was, I realized I wanted to go to heaven because if I didn't make Jesus Lord, I was going the other direction. And that was my story. It's not a long story. I just knew I needed a Savior. So there's not a huge story. It's all of about two sentences up to the point of my salvation. So what was my life like before I met Jesus? Secondly, how I realized I needed Jesus. When was that moment where there, you knew you needed to make a decision? Thirdly, how I committed my life to Jesus. What did, what did you do? Did somebody pray with you? Did you pray by yourself? Was it on a Zoom call? Was it in a meeting of some type? What did you actually do? And fourthly, the difference Jesus has made in my life. Now, I always encourage, take a bit of time talking about that. Talk about the goodness of our Lord. Uh, I, I want to give God more credit than the devil. So we do that in our baptismal services. You know, when you're getting baptized in water, you're going to testify. Talk a little bit about your past. That's important. 
but let's talk about what it means for you to be saved. What has Jesus done for you? Those four simple parts. Number two, your life message includes your life lessons. Your life lessons. And these are through the problems you've experienced, through your temptations, maybe through a very painful relationship, through maybe something physical. But these are your life lessons. What did you learn from it? Let that be part of your message as you share your message with others. So here's what I, I'm going to encourage you to do this. If you've not done this before, take some time and write down what are your mess, life messages. I am thankful. You say, well, where biblically do we get this? Well, the Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. If you go to your Bible and go pretty well to the middle of it, I am so thankful for Solomon who took the time in Proverbs, you read Proverbs, it's basically, that's why so many people like the book of Proverbs, because he's, he's walking through practical stuff of his life experience. And then you go into Ecclesiastes, I mean, that's a crazy book. Because it's crazy, because he's, he's journaling his struggles. He's journaling his problems. And I can identify with it, and I'm so thankful it's in Scripture. You need to do likewise. So let me help you to be able to develop a habit of extracting lessons from life's experiences. So here are some questions I'm going to present to you to jog your memory, get you started. Here's some questions. How do you have a message out of life lessons? Here they are. First of all, what has God taught me from failure? Think about times where you have failed. And what has God taught you? Yeah, they're painful. Number two, what has God taught you from lack of money? Now, some of you are saying, he's still teaching me that one. But what has God taught you from lack of money? Chances are most of us have something to say, that it has to do with perseverance and patience and trusting God. It might even have to do with tithing and giving of our monies back to the kingdom business. But what has God taught you? Thirdly, what has God taught me from pain, sorrow, or depression? Pain, sorrow, or depression. There's a lot of stories here. What have you learned from it? Don't let them be wasted. What has God taught me through waiting? You didn't get answers right away. What has God taught me through disappointments? You thought it was going to go one way. You were sure it was going to go that way. And it didn't. What did you learn? What, if, what have I learned from my family, my church, my relationships, my small group, my critics? Okay, there's so many. Your life message, it's important. Number three, your life message includes sharing your godly passions. God is a passionate God. You can't read through scriptures and not conclude God is very passionate. There are things he passionately loves, and he's not afraid to say there are things he passionately hates. He's a passionate God. And he created us in his image with passion. So what are your passions? You might have a passion for elderly people, infirmed people, people who are disadvantaged, maybe overlooked, and you've got a particular passion toward them. You might be, have a passion towards people who are developmentally challenged, and you just want to help them and bless them and be there for them and to admonish and encourage them. You might have a passion for kids, little kids, and you love working with little kids, and you care for little kids. Or you might have a passion for our youth, and you care for the adolescent phase in life. Guaranteed, you got a passion for something. 
Let that passion. You might have a passion for for uh, uh, sex trade and the and the slavery behind that. You might have a passion for missions and people who are suffering, who don't have food on their table. You might have a passion for the uh, uh, Inuit people. And, and just to be able to read out to the ind indigenous people of our land in Canada, that might be your passion. We've got passions. That's the whole point of this thing. When it talks of this, it talks about your life mission includes your passion. What are your passions? And let those passions come forward and make a difference in somebody else's life because we all have passions by which God wants to use to touch someone else's life. Lastly, your life message includes good news. And the good news shows how God makes people right with himself. It begins and it ends in faith in Jesus Christ. And I just want to say, I know there might be somebody watching again this morning. You need to make that decision your decision. The good news that Christ is Lord. He does forgive us of our sins. He does wash our past away. And he gives us life starting now, but life everlasting. You know, if uh, some of you are parents, if one of your children were in a burning building, it was on fire, you would risk fear. You wouldn't care. You would just with absolute boldness and courage, you would run into a burning building and rescue your kids if you could. I mean, we hear of that all the time. And sometimes the parents die trying but you would try. You don't care because you're going to try to rescue them. You don't care because you, you've got to do it. It compels you. It's important not to be afraid to share the good news with those around us. And I believe with the same kind of love, you know, there's not one person that God has brought into this world, not one person that he doesn't love deeply. God loves them deeply. Every one of us and so that, is, that compels us to share good news. So I want to close. Let's share these things. Share your story. Share your life. Share it over a meal. Share it at work. Share it on Zoom. Share it through an email. Whatever it might be. Give a book. Whatever it might be. The mission field is all around us. The question really comes down to, is anyone going to go to heaven because of you? I want, I want the answer to be yes. I want to make a difference. Will anyone in heaven one day come to you and say, I want to thank you, put your name there. I'm here because you cared enough. You cared enough to share the good news with me. Imagine the joy of people in heaven coming and greeting us, thankful that you cared enough for that soul, even just one. People last forever. So the topic again today is opportunity to share the good news. We need to make that our opportunity. So in just a moment, I'm going to be turning it back over to Pastor Trish, but we're going to invite you then to go to the breakout rooms just for a few minutes. My breakout room, we, we were just having a good old time. We just kind of lost track of time, and we just shared stories, testimonies, and prayer requests. We want to do that. But here's the question I'm going to ask in the breakout rooms. There's going to be three breakout rooms. You're just going to be sent to a breakout room. Go there, invite you when you get to the breakout room to um, uh, unmute yourself and be a part of the conversation. And if you can bring your video in, that's great too. But here's the question we're going to be asking in the breakout rooms today. Here they are. Briefly share how you came 
to Christ. Briefly share how you came to grace. Now, there really can be two questions here. How you came to Christ, or maybe share how you've led someone to Christ. And what happened? Uh, we want to hear some stories, some testimonies. I think you're going to find it interesting as you hear some of the stories. And so we invite you to do that. I want to pray with you before we just uh, end this session together. So Father in heaven, we just thank you today. What a privilege it is to be sent by you with a mission to reach people. And Lord, somebody impacted my life. And everyone who's listening, somebody has impacted our life. Help us, God, to each one reach one in 2021. So Lord, may we be expectant in the opportunities this day. And Lord, I pray for any who might be watching who are themselves have not made the decision to fully commit their life to you. God, I pray that we would, you have said, taste and see that the Lord is good, that we would open our heart to receive you this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. See you in a few minutes. Thanks for listening to the Aurora Cornerstone podcast. Remember to subscribe. For more information about our church and our ministries, visit auroracornerstone.ca.